0: In my opinion, as a sports psychology consultant, a positive motivational climate is the holy grail of teaching and coaching. Every class you attend has a climate. It's a a feeling, a sense of energy in the room. Your job as a dance educator is to make sure that every day that practice climate, your class culture is one that fosters hard work, self-discipline, fun, and progress. A positive climate is inspiring and has amazing positive influences when every athlete is intrinsically motivated. That intrinsic motivation is when an athlete just loves to dance and participates because they enjoy learning and dancing just for the sake of dancing. When a dancer strives to get better than she was yesterday or keeps working towards his goals for improvement, they are intrinsically motivated. When your athletes push themselves, your job as a teacher is to encourage them and offer instruction so they can achieve skills and success beyond what they thought possible. So how do we achieve this ideal, positive motivational climate? One of the research-based ways to increase intrinsic motivation comes in six categories. And many sports psychology consultants use the acronym TARGET to remember all the areas you can use to improve your team's climate. In this episode, I'll walk you through these six strategies so you can apply it to your work as a dance educator and enjoy more self-motivated dancers. So here's how you can target your dancer's motivation. Welcome to the Passion for Dance podcast. I'm Dr. Chelsea, a former professional dancer and dance team coach turned sports psychologist. This podcast focuses on four main pillars, motivation, resilience, mindset, and community. Each week, you'll learn actionable strategies, mindsets, and tips to teach your dancers more than good technique. This is a podcast where we can all make a lasting impact and share our passion for dance. Let's do this. I want to point out before we dive into this, that this is one of those episodes that you may want to take notes. You may want to hold on to this for the future. So if you're listening to this at a time where you can do that, great. Pull out some paper, make sure you're ready to go. If you are like me and you tend to listen to podcasts while you multitask, I wanted to point out that I have a quick kind of cheat sheet download for this episode just to have the basics of this target acronym in one place for you. So if you'd like to go grab that, it's at chelseapirati.com 30, or look at the show notes in this episode. You can just download that cheat sheet, have it with you so that you can always refer back to this when you're ready to target your dancers motivation. Have you ever had that practice or class where you just want to throw in the towel and say, forget it. I've been working so hard for all of you and you just don't care. I'm done. So it can be so infuriating and really defeating at times when you are motivated and working hard, but it doesn't feel like your dancers are on your level. And for the record, I've only actually walked out of practice once, but maybe that's a story for another time. Believe me, it was necessary. But I get that frustration where you are giving it everything and you're trying to get your dancers to be more motivated to get on your level. So before we start though, I want to be sure that you know even the most self-motivated people have off days, right? That's to be expected. However, there are things you can do to make sure you have that positive climate and ensure more of those magical days where everything clicks and you see huge improvement in your dancers. We want more of those days where you walk out just in that pure bliss feeling like I have the best job ever. That's what I want to help with today, how we can target our dancers motivation so we have more days like that. So there are six motivation strategies that I'll explain. They're coming again from the acronym TARGET where each letter stands for a strategy. So the T in TARGET stands for task. This means that you want to use tasks or exercises during practice that focus on an overall learning environment. You want to create the understanding that your focus is on personal improvement and growth, not necessarily on a perfect outcome every time. Think about everything you do at practice or anything you include in your classes during the week. As much as possible, every task, like warm up, any kind of drills, uh, ballet bar, cleaning your routines, even team bonding or social events, they should all be purposeful challenging and include a variety from day to day. So take a minute and write down all of the tasks you do in a week during your classes and practices. Do you have strength training or across the floor drills? Do you use improv? Do you have time to learn choreography? Consider all of the different tasks and think about how you can make sure the message is about learning and growth. If it helps, you can go back and listen to episode 18 about growth mindset, incorporate some of those strategies to your daily tasks. The idea is that each task is intentionally contributing to a climate that's focused on personal growth, learning, mastery, and progress, not on the outcome, winning, or perfection. The A in target stands for authority. There is a an abundant amount of research on leadership styles in sport and the effectiveness of each style. And yes, even if you're in concert dance or more recreational performances, dancers are still athletes. So these leadership styles absolutely apply. Different leadership styles are more effective than others, depending on your desired outcome. So always consider your overall focus and philosophy as a dance educator and kind of keep that in mind here, but. In an effort to summarize a few decades worth of research, a democratic leadership style is hands down the most effective style. If you are truly working towards a positive climate with a focus on personal growth, then you want to adopt a democratic authority. This means your program is a place where everyone's voice can be heard. If you're in a school team where hierarchy with captains and leaders is common, Make sure that hierarchy is to help facilitate and spread decision-making and not a hierarchy in privilege or how you treat each other In a democratic leadership style, the coach or the teacher is in charge and has the final say. However, he cares about what the dancers think may ask for votes or opinions when appropriate and listens to concerns and addresses them when he can. There is always a balance to this and the age and level of your dancers will play into it a lot. I'm not saying that dancers are in charge either, or that the teacher should ask for everyone's opinion before making any decision ever. Sometimes you're in charge, you make the call. But think about it more like a president or how we have a lot of our normal democratic systems set up. The person who is in charge has final say. However, there may be a cabinet of qualified advisors and a voting constituency who have a say and get to feel heard. The team in all of your dancers, your company, it is a, it's given a chance to express opinions. Sometimes though, an executive order is a must and you will make the decision, communicate the decision and it's final. That's okay. But if you're in a studio, again, you may not have like this formal leadership structure of captains or anything like that. And that's fine. I'm not saying you need that, but the point is to make sure that whatever your structure is, or however you are set up, that your dancers feel like they have a voice. If you're a studio director, this applies to your teachers as well. You want to make sure they all have a voice as well, but focusing on motivation. If you're looking to improve this motivation with your dancers, authority should be democratic and divided among more than one individual. The R in target stands for recognition. This simply refers to finding opportunities, both big and small, to recognize your athletes when they are doing well there are lots of options here. So think about what works for your level of athlete. And this is also a balancing act. You don't want to reward every little thing so that it loses the excitement or the appeal. It has to be truly earned and valued in order for it to work. The general principle is that when athletes feel recognized and rewarded, they'll be more likely to persist in their efforts and they're going to work harder for you in class. Helping your athletes build that internal motivation is the ultimate goal and offering small extrinsic or outside rewards in the form of recognition and praise can help drive athletes to give their best at every practice and in every class, give them praise for the behaviors you want to see when it's genuine and deserved. And again, there's a lot more on this in episode 23 about positive reinforcement. But basically recognition improves motivation. So notice the behaviors that you want to see more of, recognize those just with a simple, with high fives, with shout outs, with anything that's going to help them see that you recognize their hard work. This podcast is brought to you by Dancer Fitness. If you listen to the podcast, you know I often refer to dancers as athletes because in my mind, we are absolutely athletes, but do you train your dancers like they are athletes? At dancerfitness.com, you can find hundreds of exercises and training plans designed exclusively for dancers. Whether it's for more consistent turns, higher jumps, or a stronger core, and from beginner to advanced, dancerfitness.com has you covered. Monthly memberships begin at just $1. Start training your dancers today at dancer-fitness.com. That's dancer-fitness.com. Next is the G in Target. It's all about how you group your athletes in strategic ways so that you can improve their self-motivation. We use groups as dancers all the time, right? There's across-the-floor groups, strength and conditioning groups, groups of running the competition routine, maybe even roommates during travel or transportation to and from events. You may not always think about how you group your athletes and it's okay. You don't have to think about it every single time, but if you are strategic about it as often as possible, you can use groups to your advantage and increase your athletes motivation. Have you ever said, pick a partner in class? I definitely said it all the time. And I think it's in our everyday vocabulary for a lot of us. But next time you say that, think about offering parameters or guidelines for who they should pair off with. On many occasions, pairing athletes with more experience or talent in one area with someone who needs more guidance is a good idea. Or with a high school age, maybe grouping three or four together with one from every age group or one from every class. When you're mixing it up like that, it helps both motivation and group cohesion. No matter how well you have established that positive climate, there's going to be clicks and close friends within your group of dancers. So... Grouping them across ages and levels encourages the dancers to get to know each other. It really lets them see the other athletes around them and helps them stay more accountable and work towards their goals. So whether you are assigning roommates for a multi-day competition, asking them to watch each other and offer constructive feedback on a routine, going through conditioning stations, or choreographing a few eight counts together, think about how you group your dancers. Strive to mix things up. Change the partners around, ask them to be with someone they haven't worked with yet recently, ask them to pair with someone not in their grade. You can even tell them to pair with someone who has the same birthday month, just to mix it up as long as you are strategically changing it around. So they are all working together in different pairs, and different groups as often as possible, they will always get to know each other better, watch each other comment and help each other. Ultimately, they'll be pushing each other and themselves. So you're using these different groups to really improve the overall climate. The E in target stands for evaluation. In working with proper goal setting techniques, when you incorporate good evaluation strategies into your training, your athletes are more motivated to push for their goals. So in order to stay on track with this positive climate, you don't want to do any evaluation strategies that allows athletes to directly compare themselves to their teammates. We don't want like leaderboards or things where they're, they can see exactly how they rank compared to their peers. And as dancers, that comes a little easier for us actually than other sports, because we don't really have individual stats like many other sports do. So without comparing dancers to each other or without ranking them in any way, You want them to be able to track their personal progress towards individual goals or track, you know, group progress towards a whole team goal. You want to take time for multiple evaluations along the way, not just the end point. When goal setting is done right, it includes this evaluation process. It's not just the end, but many times along the way. You wanna notice, are you making progress towards your end goal? Have you stagnated? Have you surpassed your goal already? Without evaluations, it's just a conversation at the beginning of the season or the early on in the year and you're all motivated, but then you forget about it and you leave it alone and it doesn't do you any good. Goals aren't achieved just because you had a great meeting to set off the tone of it. You have to really check in often. Those goals are only achieved if you monitor the progress. If you talk about setbacks and things that are getting in your way, acknowledge achievements, adjust your goals and stay consistent. I want you to consider for a second why this works. People like to see progress. If you've ever tried to tackle a big project or a goal, you know what I mean. Maybe if you've tried to tackle a big goal, like losing weight or finishing school, or even moving into a new home you understand that one big long-term goal can be overwhelming and even paralyzing. So instead you want to see progress along the way. You want to notice pounds lost or even better, maybe you want to notice non-scale victories along the way. Or if you have a long-term goal of finishing college, you know, tracking classes finished and progress made, or if you're moving, tracking the rooms you've packed, (laughs) you're much more likely to stay motivated to that larger goal. I always remember when we bought a new home and I was so excited when it became clear that day. I was like, this is really going to happen. We're getting a new house. I'm so excited. And then we go in our old house and I walked in the door in the foyer and just looked around and had this immediate sense of dread of like, I have to pack this whole thing. I don't want to do this. And... I knew I had months to do it, but it felt so daunting. And just the sheer size of the goal was terrifying. And so I had to stop and take a minute and say, okay, I can do long-term goals. I know how to do this. Let's pause for a second and break it down. And instead would say, okay, I have time to work on this Thursday afternoon. I'm going to pack the linen closet. That's good. Track that goal. Notice when it happens, check it off and feel good about it and move to the next one. So if you have a goal that includes maybe strength training, for example, with your dancers, break it up into smaller goals that you want to meet all season, then have each athlete track his or her own progress. You may not notice the progress every day, but if you can look at it and watch your progress in weights or see your plank time increase as your core gets stronger, or notice how they have more energy at the end of the routine, you'll want to be more motivated and keep at it. And at the same time, if you aren't seeing progress, you're aware of it before it's too late to make a change. So make sure you're incorporating some sort of evaluation process into your goals throughout the season. For the last strategy, we focus on the second T in target, time. How you plan and organize your time will influence how your time is spent in your training, which impacts how motivated your athletes feel. The workload you put on your dancers and the pace at which you work can either keep them motivated and push forward or drown them in feelings of overwhelm and stress and make burnout really likely. In order to keep time on your side, plan out practices far in advance. Work on, you know, big sections of your season at a time. So if you're a school coach, for example, just focus on football season. Write down when games are scheduled, when you want new choreography or skills ready, plan out the entire section of a season practice by practice. So you keep time on your side and reduce stress. In the studio, it's the same idea. Plan out how many routines you intend to teach and when you're going to do that, how long it will take to learn them. When do you want them done by? When is that kind of debut competition? Backtrack it all so you have a plan of when you want things done that would not be stressful and even better. You can include your athletes in some of the planning combining this authority and time strategies together, ask them when they think they would like this choreography done or how far in advance they want to be ready or talk to them about your plan for cleaning their competition routines. Make sure they're on board and understand the big picture this way. They know the goal, they know the plan to get there. They understand the timeline for when it needs to happen and when they are kind of behind the scenes in that way, they're much less likely to feel stressed and out of time. Okay, so I know I just went over a lot. So here's a quick review. To target your dancer's motivation, consider the tasks you're including in class. Make sure their focus is on personal growth and improvement. Allow for opportunities for shared authority where you can. Offer recognition when it's deserved. Be sure to reward the behaviors and efforts you want to see more of. Think about using groups strategically. Evaluate goals along the way and track your progress. And pay attention to time so you aren't cramming in extra work and overwhelming your dancers when it gets into the heat of competition season. Finally, everything I've shared comes from decades of scientific research into team dynamics and motivation, as well as years of my own experience. But however, I want you to realize that every dancer and every organization is a little different. So not every strategy will work for you and your dancers. My hope here is that you take even just one of these strategies and consider how you could apply it to your situation, your level of dancers. I encourage you to take what works for you and discard the rest, and that's okay. You don't have to do everything. Think about, again, your own teaching philosophy and your own values, your situation of how much authority you have to make choices with your own programs, and then your level of dancer, how old they are, their uh, technique levels. There's a lot of things to consider all at once. But again, the hope is that maybe this inspires at least one of these for you to bring back to your programs to see how you can truly target your dancer's motivation. Thank you for listening. And as always, keep sharing your passion for dance with the world.